Oh no, not like there we are. <laughs> it's a hot summer everywhere in the world, but we're here to cool you off with the Gooners Pod weekly kickoff show. <laughs> Once upon a time, way back when there were only nine thousand Arsenal podcasts, five young men from various backgrounds, an Irish kid with a horrible haircut, a young Jewish nerd who hadn't discovered food yet. A child from Hemel Hempstead who didn't want to be English no more. A handsome advertising magnate with impeccable judgment. And a young Mexican AC Milan fan. Hatched a plan to take over the world of Arsenal podcasts. But then these boys became men. Jared. Mikey. Ewan. Magic. And Andy. And the rest, my friends, is history. And now, all these years later, you tune in every so often to hear their incredible takes, their football knowledge, and their sensual advice. But now, it's gone too far. You, our fans, are at long last witness to season... Welcome to the Gooners Pod. Welcome to the Gooners Pod, episode seven, seven point zero five. Um, I'm waiting for the cease and desist letters to come from Courtney Cox and Boys to Men. I don't know who should be more angry at us right now. Um, I'd say probably Boys to Men, because if they're trying to make a comeback in the world, and and then this is 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 weighing heavily over them, I I, I would be pretty upset. But uh, it's Monday. It seems like just three days ago that we were doing the uh, the week in review, and now it's our weekly kickoff show. It's funny how that happens, Jared. How you been? Yeah, doing pretty good. Not much time's passed. I've changed locations, working out of the hotel room. But glad are you to be on the run? Are you guys. on the lamb, as they call it? <laughs> the subway stuff never stops. <laughs> Got to keep it moving. I mean, he's he's escaped from 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 uh, Max. I, I I think Jared is at the 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 actual Jared, not the poser that we have on this channel, I think he um, is actually in like the, ma- I think he's in Leavenworth or some shit like that. Like, like in the maximum security prison. I mean, he should oh, be. Yeah. I hope he yeah. is probably for his own protection, to be honest with you. Yeah. That's what they, they do. Right. Types of guys uh, yeah. in, uh, in prisons, but uh, yeah, you've changed your face, you've changed your whole look. You've um, you, you've, you know, and, and you're on the land clearly now. It seems that the sun is setting through the window, which would be to the west. So your right is to the west. You're facing – that means you're facing south. I think I've just figured out where you are. Uh, Rain man over here. Yeah, so um, – And he's know, visiting my, visiting Jared is what he's doing. My right head now. my head may not look like it, but my head is a compass, and I know exactly where you are now. Um, I've triangulated. I've divined. I've, I've found you. Mikey, you, you look like you're just in the middle of a void. Um what what is your kidnapping or something like that? Is that why you're in there? Yeah. So these podcasts coincidentally go go right on right on hand with my nine month old nap schedule. So he naps in the bedroom where I actually have my podcasting setup. So I'm actually for the second week in a row, I'm podcasting on the floor in my daughter's room. So I just kicked the daughter out and I just got nothing but wall here. I'm I'm on the floor literally because my chair is my uh my laptop stand. Very professional. You got to retrain him because I mean, I took my nap and woke up about half an hour ago, 
fully refreshed and ready to go. So, I believe uh, you take naps for sure. Oh, I oh I oh I one hundred percent took a nap. <laughs> I nap when I want. So big family, I ain't got that luxury. Lots going on in the Arsenal world. Um, we we seem to have kicked off the transfer mill here. So I mean, it, it's something that I you know neither of us like to like deep dive tremendously, but it's almost unavoidable at this point. There's so much rumors and transfer business actually going on that. Well, I mean, frankly, it's the only news going on. So we're we're gonna kick it off, and you know, our good friend Daniel Robert actually pinpointed our first topic today before going into transfers. Eddie and Ketia. So the disgraceful club has let us down once again by providing Eddie and Ketia the number fourteen. And, I'm uh, done, man. I'm done I'm, with this club. I'm done. My club. Okay, it's In enough. My club. My club can't do this. So now we're gonna we're gonna talk about it and get this uh, contract uh, renovation. But first, Jared, I'm go to you and just overall. I mean, were you surprised at all with this backlash? Were you surprised at the fact that they gave him the number fourteen? Uh, I know it kind of caught a few people off guard. I wasn't expecting it, but I wasn't expecting what came after. I mean, I'm not surprised by the backlash. Anything that Arsenal does is gonna draw scrutiny from you know the the Twitter verse. As far as him taking that number, you know, it's not American sports where we retire numbers. I'd much rather see a guy like Inkedia wearing 14 than, you know, him wearing number 43 because we've retired all these numbers over the years. And similarly, no one really cared when Smith Rowe took the number 10. And he's a guy who's not necessarily a, a locked in starter, oftentimes comes off the bench. He's going to be playing a similar role to Inkedia. And no one really cared when he took 10. It wasn't an insult to Bird Camp, it wasn't a disgrace by the club. But I think a lot of people who didn't want Nketiah to stay to start with just kind of use that as fuel to the fire to, to criticize him a little bit further. Yeah, that's an excellent point, realistically. You know, it was – with that being said, right, Jared, what you said with the whole Smith roll got the 10, Saka got the 7, you would almost – kind of we were already tiptoeing in that trend, right? Like if that was going to happen, if it, Eddie and Nketiah was going to stay, 14 was kind of going to be his thing because that's what the club is kind of going for as far as – keeping the tradition alive and you know these uh boyhood players that we have and i i think that's underestimated a little bit with like eddie and Keta doesn't seem to get the hail and love slash tag that you know smith rowan saka do because he's been here at the club since a very very early age i saw a picture of him with the invincibles kit and he was just a scrub like so I, i'm surprised that that love kind of goes over him he he. What's a little different about him than than the other two is that he he does have a Chelsea pedigree. He came to us at age fourteen, uh, about nine years ago. I think he he may have been a gooner, which is where that picture came from. But you know, Chelsea essentially gave up on him um, at an age of fourteen. He came to our academy and started banging in goals in the U eighteens. Um, I first found out about him because of Danny the GFP doing his his you know. Academy lone, watch, lone watch, yeah. Because it was constantly just Eddie Nketiah, two goals. Eddie Nketiah, five goals. Eddie Nketiah. It was ridiculous. Like the guy was scoring goals back like Super Kev used to do when he was in the academy, uh, which was insane. I don't know that that record's been beaten. So, uh, so if there's a difference between Saka and Smith Rowe getting seven and ten, and Nketiah getting fourteen, it's just the pure feeling amongst most of the fan base that that Eddie's not in the class of those two players and frankly he hasn't played his way into that class yet and 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 we 
a lot of doubt as to whether he can or not. Yeah, he certainly hasn't reached that level yet, but his opportunities haven't been the same as those guys, and maybe rightfully so, just because of Sa- I mean, Sokka is just a different breed. There's not you're not going to get many guys from the academy that at his age are starting for their country, playing a significant role in all of that. But the the fact is, when it comes to Enketia, if the team's willing to say, "Hey, we want to resign you, put you on a hundred k a week," which I'm sure we're going to talk about here, and uh, give you a five year contract extension. You know, you're saying you're an important player to us to some degree. So it's hard to turn around and tell the guy he can't have the number he wants. Uh, additionally, there probably wasn't an option for the number nine only because there's another striker out there that might be on his way in that, that's going to want that number. So, you know, there's no 10, there's no 11. These are all taken. So it's a limited number in that lower end that he would want. So, you know, if he wants it, take it. But but he has been at Arsenal for nine years, like you said. He understands the importance of the number 14 and the significance. So he doesn't just blindly take that, not knowing that that's kind of a lot to live up to. And, you know, you you can say maybe he will, maybe he won't. But kudos to him for sort of putting that responsibility and pressure on himself to go out there and perform a little bit. Yeah, no, I think, you know, you, you want somebody that's going to take the ball and run with it or, and, and mm-hmm. take his shot and uh, is not going to, you know, he's not going to, what is it from Hamilton? He's not going to throw away his shot. And number 14 is uh, was available. It, it wouldn't have been available if he re-signed last year or the year before. Um, none of the other real striking numbers are available. I mean, I who, who wears number eight for us right now? I mean, is it Odegaard? Odegaard. I mean, yeah. Odegaard's a good, you know, but, but Ian Wright, Ben, did a lot of credit to the number eight for Arsenal. No different than than I mean, when you talk about a number that's really only known for one person, even if that one person is Thierry Henry, it's not like and I've said this a few times over the last week or so. It, it's not like the seven at Manchester United or the England you know captaincy or you know, these are not legendary. You know, you go back nine or ten players strong. The seven at Arsenal is probably the closest thing to that with Liam Brady, David Rocastle. Um, and and tons of other people wearing that seven that that are club legends. I mean, it, it it really just is. There's only been numbers and names attached to each other for the last 28 years or so. And Thierry Henry, best all time Arsenal player or co best time Arsenal player with Burkamp. Uh, but that's it because I wouldn't I wouldn't consider Aubameyang a, a, a club legend or anyone who left the club in any kind of good stead. I wouldn't consider. Theo Walcott, a club legend, he's a hundred goal scorer, but it took him, you know, seventy-one years to do it. So, you know, I, I just don't think this is a big deal. It's just, it's just another bat to hit whoever you want to hit with, whether it's the mm-hmm. club or the decision makers in the in the management or Niketia himself. And we don't know that he wasn't just handed the fourteen jersey, like here you go, kid, do us That's proud. True. So, you know, it, it's just the, the abuse. And I love Ian Wright and, and Gabrielle oh, yeah. getting involved on social media and just, you know, batting down some of the assholes out there. I mean, just you have to really be a special kind of person if in addition to being like a little maybe disappointed internally or whimsical about, oh, I remember who used to wear the 14 and now it's Eddie and Kent. If you're going to think that, fine. But if you got to take to social media and just abuse the guy over it, you know, suckle me. <laughs> and I think there's a difference between thinking, okay, number 14 carries a lot of weight and that weight might weigh him down with the expectations that it brings. That's, that's a normal thought. Like you said, right. It's, it's the ideology of actually contacting the player and bashing for him. So 
I mean, regarding Smith, Rowe, Saka, and now I didn't get there, I think it says a lot about our youngsters because a lot of players don't want that smoke, if you think about it. And the fact that, you know, I think Arteta said himself that Smith, Rowe will run into the 10, Saka one to the 7. So, look, you kind of need your strikers to be cocky or, you know, self-believing. So the fact that he says... You know, I'll take the 14. I, I think it speaks well on his behalf. And, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, he he hasn't given his, his opportunity yet. I, I do believe that there's a, a counter side just to keep this a little balance of people out there saying there's – I saw, like, ideology thrown, floating around, like, there's no reason to sign another striker. We have Eddie. Okay, he's not quite there yet. And we, we oh, I don't on. think that's – I know, I don't think that's horrible to say, but – all right. Point so, me to whoever's saying that, and I'll have a word. I mean, that, that's. I will, I will tag you. Um, and brilliant comments. Give me names and addresses, <laughs> and I will. Uh, I have a special uh, set of, of of whatever is the 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 line of that one movie. <laughs> I'm forgetting. I'm forgetting the line. I have a certain specific set of skills. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, th this made me crack up. But just we gave William Galas the number ten, and I think Galas got the number ten almost like immediately after. Beckham, Burkamp, Beckham. It was, uh, Burkamp, it was within uh, a year Beckham. or two. But yeah, I don't, I don't think there was anyone in between them. I mean, if you want to talk about heavy, man, I mean, that's it. It's so heavy and so deep rooted that when we discussed the number 10 and Smith Rowe received it, <laughs> Gallas didn't even get brought up. Nobody, no, there was no in between. Everybody was like, oh, hold on, but that Burkham's number. So how dare you? So, anyways. Yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't get to hear this today because I was sleeping uh, in the middle of the afternoon. But uh, Darren says Super Kev made a great point. The club are trying to connect Hailen with past legends, and you know what? I, I think that might that 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 could be intentional. There's there are videos to be made uh, of of seven, ten, and fourteen, old and new. And I, you know, I happen to know that the old seven, ten, and fourteen are 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 around. Uh, at least the seven that. Um, you know, some of the sevens that we think about, unfortunately, Rocastle isn't. But um, so I think uh, I think that's you know, and I think that's that's nice and symbolic. And frankly, if you think that Niketia isn't good enough and is going to fail horribly in his position, then you know, if if Oshiman and uh, Tammy Abraham and every other big striker that 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 we want, they can get the fourteen next season. <laughs> it's not. It's just a one year thing. If that's really what you think, so it's problem solved right there. Uh, Danny with the kind, kind words. Uh, he said, "Is a Mike Hernandez looks quite sexy with the glasses. Does he do sexy ASMR? I don't know what that is." And I had I, a feeling you were going to that. <laughs> yeah, it's I don't be know. available on the TGP OnlyFans page. Okay, so I am, keep your eye out okay, for that. that. That's even more. That's even more scary. To think about that. Yeah. <laughs> oh shit. Mm. <laughs> okay, moving on forward. Not moving past Eddie and Ketia, but the rumored wages, right? And and I say rumor because there's always bonuses and things involved, and it's very difficult to pinpoint exactly how much people make. I remember, I can't even remember how many years ago it was, but when we first signed William, I remember they reported his wages, and it was like there wasn't enough anger online. Nobody cared. So what they did was they a million also, dollars a week. <laughs> yes, they also included like the bonus in it just to like bump up the wage and be like some so. If we're being honest, look, the, the rumor is 100K and we're going to go, we're going to continue the conversation ba based on 100K. But Jared, is this, is 100K reasonable for a premier, a young Premier League striker that is young 
but ultimately may very well end up being a backup for the Arsenal. Yeah, so I, I kind of talked about this at length the other day uh, with Mike and Dan Potts, but I'll kind of go over what I said then. I, I think on its surface, when someone says, is he a 100-week, 100-pound-per-week player, a lot of people would say not yet or you know, he hasn't proven it yet. But the reality is you have to look at it from the club's point of view when they give that deal out. Uh, 100K a week is... 5.2 a year, so 26 million over five years. To find anyone of Enkedia's level, if you didn't give him that deal to come in, is going to cost you 26 million or more in a transfer fee. You know, you, you look at guys who would be in that same sort of class, maybe Edson Odoard from Crystal Palace, uh, maybe Patson Daka who went to Leicester. Both of these guys had transfer fees that were in that region or higher. And I think in terms of accomplishments and level, they're probably pretty similar. So you're going to have to pay as much up front to one of those players before you even get to the wages for as much as it'll cost you to keep Eddie for five years. Additionally to that, this gives us flexibility with Eddie before this deal. He was worth essentially nothing to Arsenal at that point with his contract running out. Now, if he comes out this year and, you know, say across all competitions gets 12 to 15 goals, which I think is definitely possible. You could turn around next year. If you wanted to then bring in your other premier striker to pair, uh, you could turn around and sell him for probably 25 million, which is, you know, all profit. He's a youth academy player. So while the initial reaction of people when they hear 100K a week for Eddie Nketiah, they don't think he's worth it yet. But when you kind of think about it in terms of the finances a little bit deeper and what it means for the club moving forward, I, I think the deal makes perfect sense. Well put, man. That, I mean, and, and even right down to your comparables with Edson Odward and, uh, and Pat Sendaka, I mean, both of those guys probably could be, you could argue might have a bigger upside than Nakedia, but I don't think that you can separate those three as far as current contributions. I mean, everyone was going crazy about Odward last summer. What did he end mm -hmm. up this season with? Five or six goals? Probably similar to what Eddie got, and Eddie didn't really play until In a the lot latter more half of the time season. On the pitch, mm -hmm. too. Yeah. I mean, you know, a hundred thousand a week is it it is paying we talk about paying for potential like it's a bad thing, but then we also get really angry when we pay for past performance. I mean, which are you supposed to pay for? You're supposed to make an investment in potential. If like Dan, like um, Daniel Roberts said, if 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 he becomes a, a proper Premier League goal scorer in the you know, ten to eighteen goal in you know, an all competition level. Not your, you know, the 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 class of a of a Mosala. Not in the class of a, you know, top uh, Aubameyang or Van Persie. But if he if he does that, a a hundred thousand a week is going to be nothing for a club to take on who wants a number one striker in a club like Palace might come back in for him again. A newly promoted club next season, like if if Luton Town comes through or. Sheffield United comes up. That's going to be, I mean, those, that's going to be the profile of their number one striker because they're not signing mm -hmm. Victor Oshaman. So, um, you know, a hundred thousand a week is, is, is excessive for what he's accomplished. When you consider Saka's on 30 right now and Smith Rose on like, you know, chump change. Uh, obviously those, those guys are going to have to be making a lot more when uh, with their next contracts, but, but I, I don't think it's excessive. We were all begging, Theo Walcott to sign the thing for 140,000 a week, like seven or eight years ago, prior to some of the most you know recent uh, TV money inflation on on wages and transfer contracts. So, you know, when you think about all the angles and specifically the ones that Jared just brought up from his bunker, um, 
I, I think it's pretty reasonable. And I think you probably, if you'd offered him 80, I think he probably wouldn't have felt valued enough to stay. And, and while some people would have been happy with that, you know, it's, it, it, it's fine for me. I'm not, I'm not, I'm going to wait and see how he plays. If he is awful, if he's been, if he's given chances, stays healthy and sucks this season, then he becomes a bit of an albatross in that if we do want to give up on him, he, we're selling him at his absolute low and his wages might make it too high to, to move. And we've been in that situation before, but I don't think that's what's going to happen. Yeah, and, and even so, we're going to pay him $5.2 million gross over the next year. Even if he doesn't play well, we could sell him for $6 million next summer. So we're not really out anything. So someone would want to be able to take that hundred. Yeah. My only concern is if, if the 100000 starts to become like, oh, well, we're not we're not mm-hmm. paying his wages we're, at 100000 We don't want that. Then we don't want to subsidize it again like we've seen. It's 100000 It's not two hundred. It's a hundred. Yeah, everyone yeah. makes a hundo these days. Mike makes a hundo. Uh, yeah, a hundo. Yeah, literally single a hundred dollar bills. <laughs> just, just yeah. a hundo. <laughs> yeah. I like how hundo sounds though. And and look in the contract in the in in the league in itself, hundred k isn't like something absurd. So if we're looking at you know other teams that might potentially be into him, like teams like Everton and you know Crystal Palace and all those, those are teams that can cover those wages. And if the trend continues to to be the way it is, the disparity between English Premier League and the rest of the, the Europe, it's it's the massive gap there. So I don't think 100K is one of those that were like, oh, no, we just cannot afford you. They might be able to subsidize, like you said, and make, bring in a transfer fee slightly a little bit smaller, but it's not 250. It's not we have to pay you to leave. It's not, not nothing like that. So. I think we're in a it's good not position. Not hundred k for a guy like like Klasenak. Like I mean, the exactly, going to be exactly. And he was down more, right? He was like in one forty. I think it was the rumor at one yeah. point in time. Yeah. So Zaha's at one thirty. I mean, I'm just looking at kind of these. You know, yeah, maybe Zaha's the number one guy there, but uh, well, Benteke is on one twenty. So they're paying two kind of soon to be over the hill strikers a total of two fifty. Look at that. Hudson um, Odoi, hundred and eighty. My head hurts now. That's amazing. Well, That's big. Chelsea's in a different game as far as what they're yeah, paying they're, in wages. Chelsea and United are just buried going, in Bill, I'm sure. I think both of those teams are going to come down to reality pretty quick here. Oh, I think they are right now. United's was terrible last year, and I think Chelsea's certainly not trending in yeah. a good direction, at least right now. They just paid a $100 million loan fee for Lukaku and didn't have a great end of the season, so... I can't tell you how much I was rooting for West Ham to win that game so that United could finish mm-hmm. in the Conference League. That would have been just prime banter era right there. Mikey, are you frozen or are you just fixated and, and very uh, fixed on your screen? Yeah, I'm actually I'm looking through all the teams uh, to see how many you know 100,000 pound a week players of his type that there are, and I'm actually I'm surprised by how many teams don't have a 100,000 pound a week player. I mean, they're the teams you'd think Leeds. Uh, you know, Fulham coming up, but, uh, of the world, of the world. Yeah. The Fulham <laughs> of the world where, uh, where what's his name, uh, who scores 97 million goals a season. Well, he's not, his salary is not listed. So yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I don't think by next, by next summer, if we have to, it's going to be, he's going to be unsellable, but we'll see. This is kind of the, the, the way it works. You, you, it, when you pay for potential, you, you might overpay, but you might really, really underpay. That's a good point. Yeah. But if he plays well and we can turn around and sell him for $25 million next summer, he, he's done a good service for us and subsidized, you know, a transfer fee for a, 
you know, a second, hopefully premier level striker that we've all wanted. Yeah. Okay. Beautiful. Nicely put gentlemen. Appreciate that. Now, before we get into the transfer ordeal, I have to bring this up. Our, our goalkeeper Turner that is coming in. Uh, there was a video circulating online where he was uh, signing off his, his, uh, his kits and, and his last MLS game. And he's going down Arsenal fan or American fan, just his kit, his kit. And he's autograph, autograph, autograph. And then he gets to a gentleman that's wearing a gentleman. I use that term loosely. Uh, that is wearing a Spurs kit. And he, he looks up. He goes, no, no, no. And he keeps on walking. Now, listen, I know it's not the end-all, be-all, the rivalry. But, I mean, Jared, that's, that's quality right there, right? That's the type of shit that we want to see. I mean, if you're an Arsenal fan, you've got to love that, that he hasn't even put a shirt on for us yet, played a single minute, and he's already, you know, he gets it. He, he understands what the rivalry is and is willing to tell that dirtbag to, to beat it. And I love that he already had his hands on the shirt to sign it when he glanced up and saw the shirt, and he was just like, oh, no, 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 and just throws the thing aside. So it, it's a funny thing that, you know, we're all going to grab onto. If, if people listening haven't seen the video, I think I've retweeted it, but it's funny. It's stuff that we like. So I, I thought it was good banter for a guy who's just now coming in. It's beautiful. And what they didn't show in that video is that after the camera went off, he 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 punched him in the face and then urinated. <laughs> I, I mean, it was, I, I knew I, it was going to be something bad. The punching in the face, I you know that that's pretty typical. But there was no need for him to urinate on him. I mean, that was just that they go in that extra mile. But but you know what? As a gooner, I love it. I mean, it's 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 exactly what you want to see, or you know. What Owen likes to see, we told, we found out privately. I, I would say the Gunners podcast does not condone peeing, but I mean, if we're being honest, the Gunners podcast. Well, you have to at some point. You might as well do it on a spur. All right, you'll let the waste that. water flushing that way. But anyway, yeah. Now that was that was a that endeared him. It's almost. Would you, if you were like getting ready to make this move and you knew that people were kind of wary of Americans coming over to play and had no idea who you were, would you set that situation up? Like, do you think that might have been a plant to where like that, like the, the, the Tottenham guy was like, okay, I need, I'll give you, I'll give you 30 bucks to, to wear that shirt and come over and I'm going to, cause the guy, the Tottenham guy pulled his shirt back pretty quickly. Like, like he didn't seem, disgusted or offended by it he was just like oh man okay whatever and that that part kind of is a little fishy for me so i'm not calling <laughs> turner gate here i'm not i'm not Get calling spurs, spurs shirt gate. <laughs> not trying to create something out of nothing because i never do that um, no no but uh i don't know it was it was smooth it worked for me all right you'll love to see it before we get on to some of the transfers that potentially coming in, something that occurred to me is this we Fulham is in talks apparently with Leno Jared. And I have a question and I, I don't want to be too big headed about this regarding Arsenal. And I do know that they already signed Turner, but if you're a goalkeeper that plays for the Arsenal, unless they flat out told you, please leave. Wouldn't playing like cup FA cup, Europe, Europa league league cup, at the Arsenal, wouldn't that still be considered better for your career than potentially going to a Fulham that's going to come up and potentially yo-yo back into the second division? Am I am I too uppity about ourselves right now, or I just you know just measuring out expectations and what I mean? Ultimately, it seems like he wants to stay in London. Is if Fulham is really his destination? 
Yeah, I mean, second choice at Arsenal versus first choice at Fulham. I, I think Arsenal's the the better team, obviously the better organization to be with. But he he's just had an entire year of not playing much football. I, I don't think he wants another year. You know, he's still kind of in his prime age, so I don't think he wants to spend two years in a row really not seeing much of the pitch. Also, and I'm not sure it would be as as big of a impact for him. You know, it's a World Cup year. He probably wants to be on the pitch as much as possible, trying to get minutes. I, it's questionable whether he's going to make the German squad. He's certainly not going to start or have any chance of that, but he's going to want to represent his team. And I think being seen out there playing 90 minutes every week, weekend, week out in the Premier League is going to give him a better chance to do that than, you know, featuring in a Carabao Cup game for Arsenal probably. I mean, you nailed it right there. I mean, I, the first two spots on the German national team are, are, are solidified already. Uh, Ter Stegen being the, the likely number two, but, um, but being the number three keeper on a, on a team that, you know, theoretically has an opportunity, though you might not agree, uh, to win the world cup or to, or to get, you know, on the podium somewhere is meaningful. And I, I think after a year, if you're a competitor, nothing tells me that Leno is one of these guys that wants to sit on the bench. I think he's done it. I think he's actually been way more professional about it than I had anticipated that it would go. Um, in the sense that when he was called on, he was magnificent and the team clearly loved him. But, you know, one season is you can kind of live with that. When it gets to be two and possibly even beyond, you, you kind of want to get a fresh start. And there aren't a, a whole lot of teams in London that are looking for keepers. Fulham's going to get peppered. They're going to give up a ton of goals next season. And, uh, and it's going to be hard for him. But I, I, I would imagine the writing's on the wall for him. Uh, they didn't. They wouldn't have brought in Turner if they were comfortable with him being number two because they've got two potential number threes in in Hine and and Aconqua. Uh So I just think maybe he could do better than Fulham, Mark. But uh, you know we don't know who's calling him. I really would have expected him to go someplace in Germany this summer. I would have thought you know it, I don't know what the goalkeeping situations are at your Munch and Godblacks of the world and your your Freibergs. And uh, you know you got your you got your Hoffenheims and and your your Herthas, but like I, I just would have assumed somebody would want the person by, who, by all accounts, is probably the third best German goalie in the world right now. Yeah, and I think part of it too is there's a big appeal to London. I think that's one of the things that works in our favor in the transfer market, and, and probably works in Fulham's case here. If he's comfortable there and likes the city, he may have a desire to stay. And if that's the case, your options are are pretty limited. But, but what I would add, and you mentioned it. Orient. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you mentioned his professionalism throughout. When you look at his situation where he was the clear-cut number one and then he gets taken over by a very young keeper from a relegation side, there's a lot of things he could have done to make the situation worse, made it a public problem as players tend to do nowadays. And there was none of that. He was a pro's pro throughout the season. And I think he deserves kudos, kudos for that. I mean, because we're very quick to criticize people who don't do that. I think it's worth recognizing someone who, you know, handles themselves in that way. And and also, if you're Arsenal, I think you need to take that into consideration. And, you know, when he's trying to make a move, we need to do, you know, within reason what we can to kind of cater to his wants because he, he's done a job for us and done it well over the last year. And because I go to London a lot more than I go to Germany, with him <laughs> having just married Sophie, not Sophie from the Highbury squad, obviously, but uh, but Sophie Kristen, um, now Sophie Leno, uh, that that situation of of the two of the, they're the best looking 
married couple I've ever seen in my life, and they need to be in London for when I when I get there because I know that a threesome will ensue. So, so, um, so yeah. So I, Fulham would be fine. I, I my my travel card uh, goes down to Fulham. So uh, you know, there you Fulham. go. Yeah, just call me. I absolutely love that, Mark. With the brilliant comment right here, he says he wishes Leno went to Aston Villa so he could demote Martinez to the bench. <laughs> that would have been I, would, I would die, dude. I would that die. Would have been great. That's yeah. brilliant. <laughs> hey, just quick. Mark's on fire again. I'm, I'm waiting for the one bad comment because he, he he sprinkles in one bad one with, with nine really good ones. So I'll, I'll keep an eye open for that one. Just, oh, it's coming. Just a, just a quick yes or no question. I'm going to ask you two gentlemen because for those of you that don't know, my last kit that has a name of an Arsenal player are Fabregas, Fabregas, and Fabregas. So I don't. Ever since then, I, I, he was my last heartbreak as far as a player. I threw all mine of his and, away. And I know, I know, Mikey. I mean, you should have given them to me. I know Mikey had his famous Kalasinac one, and after he bought that, you know, Kalasinac took the shit. But we're gonna move. He past has a Willian also. Oh no, yeah. I didn't. I don't. I, I didn't own a Willian. I bought a Willian for somebody on a on a on a something that I. I committed to to try to get him firing. Like like we were in a bad we were in a bad way, and I said if Willian scores or assists a goal and we win, then uh, then I'll buy someone uh, someone who retweets this at Willian shirt. And wouldn't you know, we got two assists that day and we won. So uh, man was I, on I, fire. Uh, I hold on to my you know I I it, my middle name as I've said before is integrity, and and so, um, <laughs> so you know, it's all about has- integrity. I'm going to ask Jared and Mike just simple yes or no questions so we can move past this and, and on and forward, guys. But Eddie and Ketia, would you wear the Eddie and Ketia number 14 kit out in public? Like, you, would you rock it, say it, you purchase it yourself or it was given to you? No problem? I mean, in honesty, I don't own a single shirt with the player name on the back. I never You'll get them. It. But, but yeah, I'd wear it. If somebody else bought it, I'd wear it. It's an Arsenal shirt. Yeah. Jared and I subscribe to the theory of these hoes ain't loyal, so we you know, purchase kids. <laughs> That's exactly it. And I don't either. I, I, I made a promise four years ago that I wouldn't, and then I broke that promise once for Sokka and once for Tierney. So I guess maybe it's not a big – it's not a great promise, but – um, but, but, you know, I, I have no plans on putting a name on the back of either of my new jerseys. But, again, if somebody – if I won uh, a, an Eddie Nketia jersey in Gooners versus Cancer uh, uh, raffle this summer, I would wear it. I'd sport it. And then when he scores, in again, I would wear it for uh, for Europa League games and and <laughs> and EFL Cup games only. But uh, but then you know I could be the guy who who had the faith and was proven correct. So yeah, love that. Uh, Daniel Roberts said he might bring use the Vieira one. Actually, I thought about Vieira because I just wanted a, a kit with Vieira on the back of it. I'm like, that's gonna be good. Ben White's and- got to play ball, man. I know that. I know you love your number four, Ben White, but you got to give it up, man. That's what I'm pretty. No, I don't think no gonna one's gonna mistake this Vieira for the other yeah, one. Though. Yeah. <laughs> Commentary won't like have an play style, like 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 okay. like the way they play. Uh, so. BX with a brilliant segue going into our next point of conversation. So this Rafinha rumors are not going away. So I, I'll be honest. The first time I heard this story, I 100% dismissed it. I'm like, no, there's no, no way, no way. We're looking for a winger of that quality to come in and, you know, play for us either on the bench or, or potentially challenge the tackle for the starting 11. So 
I was quite amazed because, quite frankly, when we qualified for Europa League and not Champions League, for me, that meant Nelson was going to stick around and was going to be our European winger. So the fact that we linked with Rafinha, Jared, look, I don't know much about his personality. I, I, I stopped watching Leeds a little bit after they, they let Bielsa go because I'm a big local Bielsa fan. But if he does come in, I mean, what kind of role do you think could be accepting or working for him? Is he somebody that's going to come in and try to challenge and dethrone Martinelli on the left and Saka on the right? Or do you think he might have that super sub type of role in our squad? Well, as a Jesse Marsh fan, I do watch Leeds United. So I can tell you, I'm a big fan of his, and he's certainly not coming in to be a substitute. He's uh, he's a top quality player. And I think that's reflected when you look at all the teams he's been mentioned with. Obviously, Barca is the primary. Um, it's just a financial issue with them. If you look at us, mentioned with Spurs, potentially, I think kind of lightly got mentioned around Chelsea. But all the teams he's been mentioned with, other than Arsenal, are all Champions League teams. And he's a Champions League level player. And if we want to get there, that's the type of guy we need to bring in. Uh, as far as where he'll play in our team, I see him and Saka starting you know, on, on the wings, uh, who's right, who's left. You know, I could see that going either way. Both obviously primarily play on the right. I think Saka's pretty versatile and can play left. But on the other side of that, Arteta seems to like, you know, a left footer on the right side or right footer on the left side so they can cut inside on their dominant foot and allow for an overlapping uh, fullback. But there's versatility there. And he's a guy that will be, you know, when you're going for a guy from Leeds, you're going to get a guy who's willing to run miles every game. And he plays with an intensity, not just the intensity in, in runs going forward, but also on the defensive side, the blocks, the pressures, the clearances. I mean, he does everything you would want. Basically, everything that we wanted Nicholas Pepe to do down the right side, he does that when we don't have the ball. And he does it pretty relentlessly. And he gives us a ton of flexibility in terms of positioning. So I was with you. I was surprised to hear that link. I didn't I wasn't surprised we'd be interested. I was a little surprised it may come to fruition just because it sounded like he was set for Barca, uh, kind of no matter what this summer. But if we bring him in, it, it will be a coup. And the, the other thing that I'll add that he has that I've wanted in our front line is a player that plays with a little bit of ferocity, has a bit of an edge to him. Because as good as our front players are, we don't really have anybody that gets in people's faces and, and sort of mixes it up. And, and he has that in spades. He's a little bit of a wild card at times. But I like that. There's room for one or two guys like that in a team, and I think we need one. So I'm all for the Rafinha signing if that goes through. I know nothing about the guy really, other than he <laughs> he was pretty good against us. I mean, like I mean, this is a guy that's just it, it's happened so quickly, and that I kind of not invested myself too much in it because I just wrote it off a lot like Jared today. I mean, Jared's taken all my good points. Um, he's 25. And he's 25 until he's 26, which isn't for another six months, uh, because that's how it works. But the uh, you know the age profile works. You know we we've we got our 19 and 20 and 21 year olds. We got another really promising 22 year old. So you know sprinkle in a couple 25s, couple 26s, and and you got you got a, a player with a profile that that's that's been there and done it before. Where did this guy come from? Uh, that Maybe. that he went to Leeds and broke out like that. I mean. I could see he, he came from. Was he at Rens? Yeah, came from Ren and Sporting before that. But I'm, I meant more like like like, when did he rise to such prominence? Was it at Leeds? Uh, yeah, he's one that I at least I I didn't follow him back then. But he feels like a guy who's come into his 
kind of come into himself at Leeds, which is weird in the Premier League. Normally, it's a more difficult league to sort of impose your game, and he's come in and done it well. Of course, and, you and I would, know what he feels like. I, I should expect that out of you. So, <laughs> uh, uh, the the other thing I would add on him, Leeds, you know, the, their style of play is a little bit all over the map, so it's tough to get a handle on what he's going to produce. I will say within the last year or so since he's become part of the Brazilian national team, I, I watched a few of their games just because there were some Arsenal guys on the squad, and he's looked fantastic for them. I think there's been a couple of games that if you had never seen a game of football before and just turned on the TV, he would be the guy that stood out as the best player on the pitch at times. And in a pretty talented Brazilian team, you know that that's saying quite a lot. So that gives me confidence that we maybe would get more out of him at Arsenal than they do at Leeds just because we're going to have a lot more of the ball when he's here. Now then the conversation turns to, um, you know, obviously we've got closer to 50 to 60 games this year instead of 38, but uh, I mean, we got to, I'm not, I do not subscribe to the, well, we already have a right winger. So mm-hmm. why do we need him theory? Because, you know, we also had a left back. We had a set, we had a, a, a destroyer <laughs> number six. We had all these guys and none of them were anywhere around the, the pitch when, uh, when we needed to beat Newcastle. Uh, on the second to last game of the season. So stock up, man. I mean, that's the, if you want to seriously compete, you have to have two players who you would be very happy to go to war with for a North London Derby or a game against Chelsea or city every single game, not just, Oh, I think we can get by with this guy because we're, mm-hmm. we're playing West Brom in the, in the league cup. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with Saka and Rafinha being on the same team. There's nothing wrong mm-hmm in my opinion, with, uh, with, with Partey and, and uh, well, I guess um, Vieira is not exactly a, a, a you know, he, they're not even in the same position. Nothing wrong with having Odegaard and, and ESR and, and Vieira all in the same team. We're going to need that. We want people mm-hmm. pushing each other for starting positions. And if you can get players to accept playing half the minutes, like they do when they're at city or like they do when they're, you know, I mean, on, on teams where you where you're really really good, but Jack Grealish can't force himself into the <laughs> starting eleven because of Phil Foden and because of Riyad Mahrez and all these guys. Good man. I mean, that's that's how you win stuff. It, it is, and the and the way you say City does that really well, Liverpool does that well. There's a common theme here. Winning kind of solves everything. Guys don't mind Great. playing a few less minutes if they're on a winning side that's contending for stuff. So. Well, you know, it's extending it's, their careers as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a World Cup year. I mean, the, the 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 demands on these players this season in particular is beyond anything that is reasonable. I, I would bet Dr. Raji Brar on uh, on Twitter would be very, you know, I'm sure he's, he's sounding the alarms on this. Players are going to have these stress injuries, these muscular injuries. It's going to be cra- – I mean, there's going to be a lot of missed games for a lot of players this year, and you really do – serve yourself better by having strong, you know, strong second string players, if you want to use that expression, uh, or a one and a one a like, like Saka and Rafinha. Saka was fantastic last year, but should have played about 30% less minutes than he did. Mm -hmm. And we just, you know, he didn't. And and while we had someone that could have stepped in, in Pepe wasn't trusted and we need two guys that are. So if Rafinha is the kind of competitor that Alexi Sanchez is, by the way, and I saw, um, BX Gunner say that in the chat, second coming of Sanchez. We really need to figure out what to do with Bellerin because we can't have Rafinha and Bellerin on the pitch at the same time, uh, or Bellerin will start whining that he's trying too hard. 
So something that you you mentioned, Mike, is is the amount of games that are going to happen. So, you know, we, we got the league. I, I think there's going to be 16 fixtures prior to the World Cup. We're going to play all six of the Europa League games before the World Cup. So there's going to be an absolute overload where we're going to play like 20 two odd league, games. Two league, cup, two league cup games. So like 24 games in like in 23 weeks or something like that. So that said, I mean, look, so I, I use this uh, – this comment in our notes, but in NBA, we got something referred to as load management. And that's pretty much coaches just being used to just laying players off. Just like, oh no, he has the nagging injury, et cetera, et cetera. Just some BS thing that they have to come up with to put them on the injury list. But in reality, it's heavy rotation and plan rotation. Jared, looking forward to this this next season is health key. I mean, taking into consideration, sorry, I'm going to backtrack a little bit. Mikey, one thing that I think that severely cost us top four is not only that our starting 11 couldn't be healthy, but our death sucked. I mean, I, and I'm, that's being, you know, look, El Nenny came in, did a great job when the last couple of games, but, but the last couple of games, you know, El Nenny is not, you know, Partey's quality. Tavares is not Tierney quality. So if we're bringing in players like Rafinha, you know, Gabriel Jesus and we're keeping, you know, and get the, that's low, that's hiring our, our floor. So it's, it's, it's bringing up our bottom a little bit higher. And maybe that's why when we have one or two, you know, injuries, no, don't laugh at that, Jared. Um, it, it might affect us a little bit less. So going into that with the load management concept, Jared, uh, you are a man that I believe watches NBA. I'm not hundred percent sure. Um, but I'm sure you're well aware of the load management system that they got going on there. Is that just something that we're going to have to get used to as football fans that, in reality, starting 11 can't start? So it won't be something that, oh, Arteta doesn't know his best starting 11. It's just absolutely necessary to rotate these players prior to making that World Cup appearances. Absolutely. And I think this past season, a little bit of load management would have gone a long way for us. I think as bad as we played at the end of the year, if we don't have, you know, potentially you look at our back four and midfield pivot, we were missing four of those six guys for a significant amount of time. And it's hard not to think that if a couple of them aren't healthy, we may get a better result in a couple games here and there. And I think, like you alluded to, this year, even more so than any other, it's going to be important. I think it was something we needed to focus on regardless, given our injury history. But this year's basically turned all these guys into year-round players. I was a little bit opposed to the Nations League going on this summer. Not that I dislike the Nations League, but when you've already got all these games packed in, plus the World Cup midseason, you know, these guys aren't machines and players do break down. And, it, and it's a real concern. And I think you're going to see the teams that have the depth perform a little bit better this season. And it's going to be noticeable. The teams that are thin in certain positions, it's going to be exploited because guys are going to be out with stress injuries and fatigue and all the rest of it. The, the nice thing, it sounds like, you know, the team's aware of that with all the links we have. We're kind of solidifying positions where we could use some depth and we're assigning and going after players that play multiple positions, which assist in that, too. So I, I think we're approaching it the right way, but it's definitely something that us and every other team should be taking into consideration this year, because basically in 2022, these players have zero break at all. I think that's the case in any season, but then this season mm -hmm. just ramps it up even more. I mean, you know, we talk about Arsenal hopefully having 50, what, what, is, what is it, 38 plus Europa League would be six plus hopefully another five or, or another six to 10 games on top of that. Um, 50, 55 that, range? 55, yeah. I mean, 
if you have a player that's in the World Cup and they get to you know the elimination rounds, that's that's another four, five, six games in two weeks, or another you know if they get all the way to the final, it's another five, six, seven games in in four weeks. These guys, I mean, they're not <laughs> they're not superhuman. I mean, they're they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna have trouble, and I just you know. You, in any given normal season, you would need to have two players at every position. I do not understand how some teams get so lucky with their injury situation, and one of them is the one up the road. I mean, they, you, you just expect – see, it seems Kane does get hurt, but then he comes back the week before they play Arsenal every single time. Um, but it's just it just doesn't – they've never been made to pay for being thin with depth. We – Mm-hmm. Go thin with depth, and we and we're paying out the ass every single time. Um, so yeah, I mean, look, it, it's hard to to say that there aren't some lessons learned right now that are going on. Are we are we signing eighty to one hundred million pound world class players on four hundred thousand a week with a you know with a two million pound uh, per day uh, bonus for the for the agents and the brother and the father and the mother and the sister and the aunt. Uh, we're probably not playing those games right now, but we're building a sustainable, not necessarily self-sustainable from a financial standpoint, but a sustainable competitive uh, situation that hopefully has the ability to get out of things that aren't working a little easier than we have over the last few years. And the, and the, the way you get out of those things is by going younger, by, you know, being, you know, by protecting and not making rash decisions like selling, uh, selling uh, uh, Torreira to Sampdoria for the six million pounds that they want to pay for him instead of the twelve million that we agreed to. Uh, that this is all a long-term building process that gets Arsenal back into the, the conversation of teams that you can't just push around in the transfer market and poke around and laugh at anymore. We, we we were absolutely that and have been absolutely that for the last five or six years since a certain person left that got us in that position. Uh, but, uh, you know, it takes a while to dig out of the quicksand. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I knew you wouldn't like that. Uh takes a while to dig out of the quicksand, but eventually you get out. You'll love to see it, man. <laughs> no, yeah, it's – that whole situation is, is something. It's, it's, it's a conversation for another pod, Mikey. But I, I do believe that we're doing things uh, uh, slightly better. And one thing, Jerry, that all these players that we're purchasing or at least heavily linked with is having common is that they're multi-purpose. And like we talk about the gentleman Martinez that's coming from Ajax, or relinked with when Ajax, like he's played center back, he's played left back, he's played uh, holding midfielder. Vieira played in the midfield as eight played as a false nine, played on the left and the right. These are multi-facet players. We've got Gabriel Jesus, potentially, that's coming in again, that plays on the right. He actually prefers, apparently, to play on the wing, also as a striker, et cetera, et cetera. Is this just one more layer of protection? And do you think that's an actual mindful thing that the manager might be doing just to potentially still keep a fairly skimped squad? I think he, he said he wanted to have, like, it was 23 or 24. It was like, you know, 22 outfield players, three three goalkeepers. Is that something that you believe that the club might be doing on purpose at this point, Jared? Or is it just a happy coincidence that most of these players are willing and able to participate in multiple positions? 
No, I think it's absolutely intentional, and I think it's smart. We we just went into you know great detail about why we think the depth is important this year, and it gives you the ability to rotate and be flexible. And especially a guy like Martinez, you know, Tierney's one who, even if he's healthy, we we need to be giving some rest games. And if ever there was a case for load management, Kieran Tierney is it. You know, he's had injuries his whole time here. You could say the same about Tomiyasu on the other side. But if Martinez can give Gabriel a break, he can give Tierney a break. And also, I, I would consider if he can play holding midfield, which he's done in the past, that gives us flexibility to play both, say, Martin Odegaard and Fabio Vieira together in midfield, two creative players with party behind. And then when we're forward in sort of like a 3-2-5 formation that we see a lot, it allows him to slide in next to party and still give us some stability uh, to stop the counterattack and give us that extra creative player going forward, something you see kind of a lot with, with City and their extra attacking players in midfield. So I, I think it's done with real intent to both protect us in terms of death, depth, but also give us that flexibility in terms of tactics, depending on who we're playing, to, to put an extra attacker out there if, if we think it's warranted. Yeah, quite frankly, one of the only players that I don't want to see rotated out of his own position is Saka. Because we've tried him on the left. We tried him, you know, as a right back, as a left back, and so on and so forth. But Saka, as as regarding to like a player that I never want to see moved out of his position, I'm going to say Saka on the right side. Saka could play a Good timing with Daniel Roberts coming. Uh, yeah, Daniel <laughs> Roberts, once again, brilliant, brilliant segue. He said, I, I heard that Saka read. could play goal as well. Like if we get yeah. into a shootout, they'll sub him in in the 119th minute. Um, into penalties, <laughs> I should say. Um, can't call it a shootout. But yeah, I mean, the, 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 the strange thing about the one move that probably didn't have that huge of a consequence, but I would argue we really could have used him last year was Callum Chambers. Um, yeah. I mean, you talk about a guy who's not past it. He's, 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 he is what he is. He's not, you know, he's not a superstar, but he plays multiple positions. He plays positions we really needed cover for by the end of the season um, and has the experience. He was a consummate professional. I mean, I always talked him up a lot more than other people did. Um, but the the usefulness of that guy last season and the fact that he could play multiple positions, and now we seem to be going in a strategy where we're buying a lot of hopefully more talented versions of Callum Chambers, to me, that's that was a weird one. Uh, we let him go in January uh, last year, or was it over the summer? It was in January, I believe. Yeah, you, if I'm remembering yeah. right. I, I think it was, it's this, it was this January, right? Correct. Yeah, when yeah. we really could have needed him. And, and we got we got nothing for him. Uh, we saved a couple million pounds in wages. That's it. Um, and and yeah, that that was a strange one because I never really thought of him being like aching to get out of Arsenal either. Um, so if uh, yeah, we should have probably done more business in January. Yeah, probably hurt us that we didn't. And you know, but. But of all the players that we let go in January, the one that I really rude letting go was was Chambers because I, th I thought he really could have done a job in a pinch uh, if need be. So, um, but yeah, I mean, do I think it's a strategy going forward to get guys who are versatile? Do I absolutely? And I think that's that's kind of the the trend of the future. You don't want to have to play Granite Jaka and left back just because he's done it before. You want to be able to play somebody that might be moving from center back over to left back. And, you know, you got your Ben White going from right, you know, right center back to, to right back sometimes. That kind of cover every once in a while is fine. But I don't want, 
I don't want changing the game completely by taking one of your key midfield players. And yes, I just called Granit Xhaka a key midfield player. Uh, right, and, move, and moving him into the back and leaving Sambi Lakanga all by himself against Brighton. That's not what we need. And just like that, Mike got himself canceled from Arsenal Twitter sphere. Nice knowing you, Mikey. So, <laughs> so Jared, I, I, I wrote down here in my notes, uh, tongue in cheek, you know, after seeing the, the arrivals of Vieira, uh, Gabriel Jesus seems just imminent at this point. And, you know, we also signed, uh, of course, we signed Mar Marquinhos, which is another random slight martinelli type uh signing he might not be as popular in brazil but you know tongue-in-cheek can we say jared be excited for this weekend as as this transfer window as it as it going but in reality what my question is are we learning from past mistakes i mean i think it's been evident over the last 18 months we're learning from past mistakes to some degree even if you don't think our team is much better than it was three years ago when we finished fifth and we finished fifth this year, our wage bill has been cut probably close to in half. The average age of the team has probably gone down by five or six years. So it gives us a lot of flexibility going forward, both in that if Arteta stays, these players can grow with him and within his system. And if it doesn't go well and Arteta goes, you've got a lot more flexibility and assets that are movable uh, to work with the new coach or to use to bring in players a new coach would want. So, even though we finished fifth three years ago and fifth now, there's no question the team's in a considerably better place than we were at that time, all based on sort of the, the deals we've done, the players we've let go, and, and some of that we've had to eat the cost of in the short term for the benefit in the long term, which, you know, at the time a lot of people didn't like. But now that we're kind of on the back end of that, you know, we're reaping the benefits of those decisions and getting rid of those guys that are on 200, 250,000 a week and getting to a much more manageable structure. So I'm pretty happy with the deals we've done leading up to this summer. And as far as the players we've been linked to, which is a much different thing than anybody we've actually signed, but as far as the players we're linked to, be it Jesus, Rafinha, Martinez, have we decided if we're calling him Martinez or Martinez yet? I don't know. I'm Somebody can him, let me know. I'm calling him Lissandra. I'm, well, I'm calling him the butcher. The butcher. Yeah, the butcher. We'll I go with like that. that. And I, I but, said last night on, um, on, on the Sunday roast that, you know, once we sign him, I mean, we, we have to figure out which Arsenal player we can start calling the, you know, the candlestick maker and, 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 and the, the baker. baker. Yeah. yeah. We, 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 we gotta have like the, like the back line of the, like Ben White can be the candlestick maker. Uh, Gabriel could be the baker and uh, yeah. Oh, today we're starting the butcher, the baker and the candlestick maker. Good. All right. I feel good about this. That feels so good. And the, the Sunday roast, of course, on Brookhamp Wonderland, which you and Danny do every single Sunday. And it's if you need a break, anybody that is out there, if you need a break from regular Arsenal, regular football podcast content, and you just want to hear two just lovely human beings that are the biggest fucking goofballs that you could ever know. I mean, <laughs> Sunday roast is the podcast to listen to. And I say that I tune in every single Sunday and, and it's, it always gives me a really good laugh, but it shocks me that people actually watch that shit, but you know, it, it's a nice icebreaker, dude. We, we would do, we would do it like offline if, if, if it came to that, but the fact that, <laughs> that people actually uh, watch it is, is fun, but thank you for the plug, Mikey. I love, uh, you know, that, that yeah, nice. absolutely dude. it. It's a great icebreaker. Like I said, cause I, I wake up and like, Eight, eight hours out of my day is either music or, or Arsenal podcast because I don't really listen to other stuff outside of that. So come Sunday when I'm chilling at home, just doing like gaming or just holding my baby, 
I'm like, I just turn it on on the side, right? And it's just, it's just, no, Mike, don't laugh at that. And uh, it's just, it's just brilliant, man. It's just, honestly, it's a great icebreaker from getting away from football, which uh, we all kind of need every once in a while because this, this whole industry, if you will, becomes very, very consuming. So, and the um, Dublin Gooner is correct. It, it it was recently awarded the uh, the, <laughs> the football content award for best colon and rectal content. Um, and and it's strange because that has continued weeks and weeks and months after my colonoscopy, uh, after the colonoscopy episode. It just continues to be, uh, yeah, it's just our phone call live, pretty much. That's <laughs> that's what it is. I absolutely love that. Okay, so we're going to take a few user questions, and uh, thank you, Mike, for starring the ones that I've missed right there. Uh, we will we will jump into that, but prior to that, I had a, a crazy prediction that I was completely laughed off uh, in another group that I had, and I had to double-check with you guys. So I said at the beginning of the summer that I could see us spending $150 million again. Now, I want to put this clear for the accountants out there. $150 mil committed to players. I'm not going to dabble into the net. I'm not taking into consideration, oh, but we sell Pepe. It's going to come down. Jared, do you believe? So you're saying transfer fee total. Yes. For all purchase players, regardless of sales, regardless of wages, any of that. We're, you're just talking no. about transfer uh, yeah, because I, I, You're talking about a number that doesn't matter, but but it is what <laughs> it is something you can measure. Well, yeah, it's a measure because a lot of people look at it as – that's the the commitment level of the owners right. is, is unfortunately that's just how it works and i've never personally never felt comfortable with people like pepe they committed 77 and they're like yeah but it's 77 divided by this many years this many payments listen if you buy a car for 20k and they ask you how much your car costs you say it was 20k you don't break down the payments and interest rates so I'm just curious whether you believe that they'll they'll go over or just under that 150 threshold that I I kind of see them being able to to hover just around Jared. Yeah, just doing the quick rough math in my head, it would be right about that number. If you had asked me, you know, towards the back end of the season, if I thought it would be that high, I would have said no. After missing out on Champions League and kind of the players were linked to, I I think it could be right around that number. I think that's a good estimate. So if I had to say. I would say just gross outgoing. Uh, I'll take the slightly over. I think it's going to be considerably over uh, for gross I, outgoing. I, I like I, this. I think your net will be uh, will be closer to one fifty or one one seventy. And and wow. and and there's a lot of I, I saw right before the podcast, and I'm seeing it here from Daniel Robert. I think the two fifteen. Josh, did Josh Conkey really? say on cbs that the budget did he give a number for what the budget was for our transfer window i have trouble believing that but i'm seeing that it's reported and it's always reported as cbs that he that he spoke to a a that he spoke to cbs about arsenal during the stanley cup finals that's a very that's that's a big ask to to think that that would be true and it's just intensely stupid to put that number out there well well, it it goes against everything that arsenal's done yeah as far mm-hmm. as you know, I mean, it, it it serves you better to 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 act like you're you know the poor guy, um, and then all oh, right, fine, we'll we'll do forty six for Gabby Jesus. Fine, you got us, you know. So I, I, unless someone shows me the video or or an article written by a by a you know a reputable journalist, aka you know friend of the podcast, then I have trouble believing that he said that. Now, I don't have trouble believing that that's a true number. 
I, I, I think, you know, that that may be where we get close to it. And it's just it, at this point, if that happens, and it hasn't happened yet. In fact, I think we've literally, as far as players announced, I think we spent three million pounds because <laughs> um, we haven't even announced Vieira yet. Oh, yeah, yeah, but that's I, true, yeah. But I, th- I think that's coming tomorrow. But that, um, I mean, it is setting up to be a massive spending summer when we really just blew 80 million pounds of revenue, uh, you know, from the, uh, from the champions league that, that we lost out on the end of the season. If, if at this point, if this happens this summer and you still want to try to claim that Arteta is not supported and that the club doesn't invest somehow in some fashion, whether, you know, even if Kroenke's loaning the club money, and planning on taking back the loan once we start showing significant profits, even if that's the case, it doesn't have to, you know, that that's investment in the club. And my concern when we dropped out of the champions league was that very, very quickly the payables would start to match the receivables and that we would gradually start going towards a mid table team because we wouldn't want to take a big loss in any given year. And I don't know if, if, uh, if the COVID reality helped to, to come into this or, or what it was, but it seems like we are going to spend until we get that damn champions league money back on a regular basis. And, you know, it's going to be harder and harder because Newcastle are on the rise. Chelsea may end up sticking around longer than, than a lot of people thought with the ownership change. And it, you know, there's really, there's, there's six or seven teams now shooting for the top four positions, which could become five, but still, it's not a guarantee. You're going to have to outwork these guys. Fourth is not guaranteed anymore. And, um, and but the team's investing, and and I just want, I really, really hope that there's not just a lot of bluster about these players and no action to it, because uh, this would dispel a lot of rumors. Dispel the rumors that you can't get good players if you don't make the Champions League. Dispel the rumors that we don't spend money, and you know at least the effort is there to get us back to where we belong. Yeah, where where we belong is a really interesting conversation because I, I find that where we belong is such a a difficult thing to achieve with teams like Manchester City. Well, that's because you're willing to accept mediocrity and your standards have dropped. Uh, so that's I mean that's the simple explanation. Moving so along, some of, us, some of us have higher standards, and we are not willing to accept what's been going on. You have to put pressure on the owners. Because exactly, I know exactly. Franke, I, mean, I stand like, outside watching my... the avalanche. I know he's just thinking, God damn, Arsenal Twitter is upset at me. <laughs> I stand outside <laughs> my house every night screaming at Stan Kroenke. And, you know, so, so I'm doing my bit. What are you doing? <laughs> Having kids? I... <laughs> yeah, you're porking your way through this uh, through this downturn. <laughs> <laughs> oh I, like the dis- I like to distract myself from that So. All right. Yeah. You're All trying right. to raise money by selling umbilical cords. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, everyone else is just shouting on Twitter. So good good on you, Mike. I apologize. Okay. I take everything back. Yeah, you gotta, you know, sometimes you gotta take the, the odd way out. You know what I mean? <laughs> like everybody's on Twitter already. I mean, it's been done. I don't need that anymore. So <laughs> uh okay. So we got seven questions, some cheeky, some some, you know, some Serious, some not so serious, but we're going to dive in here. Uh, Mikey, are we still calling them user questions? We got user of, questions. Of on our course, heads? we're calling them user okay, questions. That's a, that's a certified T 
TGP uh, user questions. So here we go. Until Tom Canton stole it from me, but, but uh, <laughs> and then he stole oh, our 894 live viewers every podcast that he gets that we don't get anymore. Yeah, yeah. If hey, if not for us, <laughs> yeah, Tom exactly. wouldn't. <laughs> I Tom like wouldn't, that. I wouldn't have a career if it wasn't for us. <laughs> Jared, Jared, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go ahead and and start with. Actually, here's that question is not good for Mikey. Mikey doesn't like that question. I'm going to start with you, Mikey, and then I'm going to go back to Jared. Darren reads, Mike, any chance we've gone cold on Tielemans because we are thinking about keeping Tierney? Torreira. Sorry. Terrera. Mike and I are having a a, 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 yeah. Yeah, a battle here. Okay. To, no, um, like Mike, I got it. Don't worry. You know, it, the, the Tielemans thing, it's hard to hard to know whether that's true or not because we've seen it. We've seen it mentioned. We've seen it, you know, over kind of not overturned, but kind of pushed back on. I mean, it would surprise me if we're getting the butcher Tielemans. I just keep wanting to say the baker and the candlestick maker. We're getting the butcher and Jesus and Rafinha now and, uh, you know, Vieira and the, the 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 Brazilian winger. I mean, if we're doing all of this stuff, there's there's going to be a point at which it would just be shocking. Um, I think Tielemans, if there's any cooling off right now, it's because we actually kind of hold for once a little bit of the cards in the situation where he doesn't want to return to Leicester. His head's been turned. And, um, you know, if Leicester's not going to give us a good price, then we kind of cool our jets a little bit. And it doesn't but, sound like any other team's shown any interest in him either. That works Which in our is strangely favor always the case with players. Yeah. Like, like the Thomas Partey thing. Like no one else was in for Thomas Partey. And, and, and I'm not claiming that that's because he wasn't a good player. I mean, look, when he's healthy, he's, he's a game changer. So, why was no one else in for him at, at you know with a with a with a release fee? I don't know, but it always seems that when we get a player, like we're the only ones uh, rumored to, to to be in for him. But as long as the player's good, I don't care. Um, so this is yeah, this is the one situation where I think that one might get done later in the summer than some of the other ones. But I don't think it's a it's a done deal that it's not going to get done. And you know, it's strange because Leicester supporters tend to not rate him that high. And it's weird because when we were, I mean, I, w- I was up in Leicester twice this season, once for Arsenal away where we weren't really surrounded by a lot of Leicester fans. But the second one was for their game against PSV where, where we took a look at Cody Gapko uh, playing in the Europa Conference League uh, as a neutral. And the one thing that struck me from that evening wasn't Gakpo. It was how much Leicester supporters really just didn't, seem to mind if he was gone this summer. And so I'm, you know, I'm hearing a lot of salivating going on from Arsenal supporters over him and maybe playing in a different team with a renewed energy might be a great thing. And I have no doubt that he's a talented player, but like, he's not going to be one that if we don't end up getting, I'm going to be devastated over. Yeah. So I, I don't know if I answered the question at all, but no, no, go for it. Go for it. I, I personally, two things. I, I do rate Tielemans uh, for a few years now. I, I think, Partially, the Leicester City fans might be at that point where last season was such a horrible season and he was already a staple, like the go-to guy in midfield. So they might look at him like, you're the guy that we need to like help carry the team and you're not performing. But it is going into his last year with the contract, so it might not be something where he's as motivated, essentially. Right, Mike? I mean, we've all been there in, in circumstances where we're supporting our team and we're like, 
we're just seeing a player and we're like, we're not 100% sure this player even wants to be here. Right. So that does yeah. affect, yeah. I mean, that, that could be part of what, what the Leicester uh, kind of fan attitude towards him is. And, and I think, uh, you know, it was always in the context of James Madison or Tielemans, yeah. and they seem to favor Madison. Uh, yeah, I popped this up on the screen before you go to the next question. Mike VX Gunner said he'd go for Cucho Hernandez from Watford. I just popped this up because, oddly enough, he's been linked to the Columbus crew of the MLS for a potential transfer right now, so he may not be on the market. Cucci Hernandez is what I call Mikey. He's... <laughs> That's what I call yeah. Mike's Cuckus. Fuck's <laughs> sake, Mikey. <laughs> Jared, coming at you next, sir. Daniel Roberts, question. What player that we haven't been linked to could we sign or do you want us to sign? Ooh, that's a good one. We get linked to like 100 players a summer, so it's tough to find yeah. someone we haven't been. I'll say the guy who I've liked for the last couple of years, and he did have a big injury, I think, season before last. It kept him out for a while. Staying at Leicester City, I would love Wilfred Ndidi. I, I've long been a fan of his. Ooh, he plays a, a position that we could really use, so that that'd probably be the the first name that comes to mind. Right on. One player that I know. Look, I know this is impossible because he'll probably never leave the Atletico Madrid setup. But they have a midfielder by the name of Jorente. God, that guy. What, what's the term here? He's a water carrier, if you will. Like he's such a hard worker, man. He's multitask. It's just absolutely love him. So that would be like a, a surprise signing. I will say that I'm absolutely in love with the fact that like the Vieira thing just came out of nowhere and the Martinez bid, like confirmed bid by, by Arntine came out of nowhere. I, I want to see more of that, to be completely honest. I like that. As a matter of fact, I get annoyed when it's reported. I know it's media and they have to report it. You know, they evolve around clicks. But like when it goes like everywhere and it catches fire that we're in for the butcher, if you will, Mike, and – now everybody like knows and everybody's hyping it up and like, Oh my God, if we don't get him, it's disappointed. I kind of like when it's just surprise, surprise. We, we sign somebody that that type of signing for me, just absolutely love it. And I always have a good time just shitting on ITKs because that's uh, one of my favorite pastimes. Me too. I hate him. <laughs> I hate him so much. Mike, Danny, your brother from another mother. That's a very, uh, very witty question here. Question 2020. 2021 wolves had a portuguese kit for their away kit how many more brazilians do we need before we have a brazil kit as an roa kit well how many do we have right now um gabby 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 that's no Mar we have three gabby and gabby um, marquinhos well i three. think he's I, marquinhos okay i think he's i mean if you count rafinha and gabriel that's five that's half a squad saquinho um, <laughs> he'd be, he'd be um, oh, and would be valued, and people would give him 200k. And Catinho would be would be unbelievable. Um, well, I think six more Brazilians. Then, um, did, have you seen the new kit release, or, the, or I don't know if this was real or not for Newcastle? Like, it looks like the Saudi international kit. You're kidding. I, I did I, see this, and that's true. I saw like a brief, like, like, like it just kind of passed through my consciousness recently. And I, and I didn't look too deep into it, but like, um, it would, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me that no, it, Danny's just, you know, he's being, a, he's being silly. I hope he's feeling better though. Jaquinho. By the way, if, if, uh, if Lissandro Martinez is the butcher, what the hell is Jaca then? 
Yeah, Daniel Daniel Robert wanted to know what did he miss? Why is he being called as the butcher? Well, Daniel Robert might just nickname people. Okay, that's just his. No, thing. he doesn't, he doesn't need a, he doesn't need a reason to do anything. And that might break my streak. If there was ever a name I was going to get on the back of a shirt, maybe just the butcher. Oh, maybe that that'll would be the be pretty, one. Yeah, that would be pretty cool, butcher. And and uh, and I just go around ordering steaks, <laughs> and uh, at the pub and just like just cutting them and ripping them in my mouth. I think I'm going to have to go with the coochie. I do that anyway, even if we didn't sign him. But but that would make it more fun, though. I'll, I'll go with coochie hers on on my next one, right, Mikey? <laughs> with an arrow pointing directly down. <laughs> Absolutely Instead I, of a number, just an arrow do, pointing to your ass. Do I wear it backwards, Mike? Do I wear it backwards or do I keep it? <laughs> Either way, depending on the night. <laughs> Jared, we got uh, Dublin Gooner. Is Eddie and Jesus enough? striker um i got that completely wrong sorry eddie and jesus enough or another striker required so do you think the two are just fine do you think potentially martinelli could cover if both of them in the shit hits the fan or are you still holding out your you're holding your breath that those osman and and tammy abraham links from early on in the in the transfer window are true yeah i love osman i'd love to get him but i don't think that's realistic i i think this is what we're going to see going into the new year is Eddie and Jesus in the striker position. And like you mentioned, I think Martinelli will be sort of the default number three because Balogun's likely to get another loan. Uh, I will say, if we do loan out Balogun again, which I think does make sense so he can get some game time, that's one that I would be sure to have a recall clause in, only in the event that Eddie or Jesus gets a serious injury where they're going to be at a significant amount of time. That would leave us pretty thin up front. But I think we're going to go into the season with those two and the idea that Martinelli's kind of the third choice if, if he's needed. I think uh, I think this is what you're going to see. I don't think you're going to see Eddie, Jesus, and uh, you know one of the other like target men like, like the awesome and um, Abraham Elk. Although I would absolutely just die to get Tammy Abraham on this team. Uh, I don't think you're going to see it. But what happened when last season when when Aubameyang became kind of exiled and we didn't have him playing up front? anymore what what did you, what instantly happened ESR, odegaard saka start scoring goals um finally finishing off goals instead of kind of you know oh they're great but there's no end product um who are the number nines for manchester city uh aguero was hurt a lot but erling holland well not now i'm saying in the <laughs> no, I know. like over the last few years yeah um you know who were the number nines for for Chelsea or for uh, for Liverpool over the last few years? Um, it's weird that they've now gone in a different direction, but clearly the way that Arteta wants to play, despite having seen a lot of just crosses crossed into nobody in the last couple of seasons, the way he wants to play is similar to the way that Manchester City play, where they don't really have a huge target guy. They might have a smaller guy who's very quick and can score a lot, like like Sergio Aguero in his prime. But, you know, I I think with Eddie and Jesus, it's enough as long as the way that we play and the way that we attack brings in these wide players and midfielders into the scoring opportunities. I couldn't care less who we get the goals from. I just want them. And, uh, and I think those two could be enough if they stay healthy. If not... There's always January. Yeah, that, 
we can, can pick up Odson Edward. <laughs> <laughs> I love that or DACA. I absolutely love that. Uh, yeah, no, they. I, I think you know, and a lot of people kind of confuse the ideology. If like we need a twenty goal scorer, like striker, if a striker comes in and scores twenty goals, he's inevitably going to be taking goals away from other players in our in our squad, right? It doesn't exactly operate if this person scored 15 goals last season he's going to include 15 more goals for us so i, I like the, the the those type of strikers that get people involved and we saw it a little bit with laka and obviously we know laka had his physical deficiencies but that's the one thing he did i'm going to say slightly better than than Aubameyang, which Aubameyang was more of a you know in inside the the box type of striker that that's lethal and would score we didn't see it unfortunately the first six months of the season but that was his whole thing. And Lacazette was always the type of striker to drop way deeper and get our wingers involved. And, you know, Mikey, you know, talking about you and what you were said about City and Liverpool, I mean, the majority of their goals come from the wings. And so there's no reason to believe that Martinelli, Saka, Smith-Rowe, anybody that plays out on the wings might potentially score a little bit more with the inclusion of, of Gabriel and, and Ketia. But, and in Liverpool's yeah. case, a, a lot of them came from their fullbacks, and 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 oh, that's, that's something true. I could see being a bigger part of our of our approach as well. Yeah. Good question, yeah. Dublin. Like that, Mark Mertz uh, with with a well spirited, nice, uh, nice. I love this question, and I really wish I could say the answer is yes. But Mark Mertz wanted to know: Will the TGP and NAP crew? That's not another Arsenal podcast, which is a a small podcast I run at what, like two, three o'clock in the UK, Mike, I think it is where, so nobody's awake to see it live. Um, will we be hosting our podcast uh, for the Arsenal tour? Um, and will tickets be on sale? Unfortunately, Mark, that can't happen because Arsenal forgot about me and they're not coming to the West coast this, this time around. So I'm definitely won't be able to go to these live games. Mikey, plastic, are you uh, planning plastic, on doing man. anything? Plastic. As far as I know, of, of the combined members of the Gunner podcast, which is five, and not another Arsenal podcast, which is an additional three, um, there's only two of us that are going to Baltimore, and possibly only one of us that's going to Orlando, unless I'm unless I'm overlooking something. Um, in Baltimore, Sebi will be there, and I'll be there. Um, and what we are looking into is, and, and there's a lot of, diff there's a lot of planning and lack of information coming from the club, unfortunately, at this point about what the days will be like. Uh, and it also depends on what my media obligations end up being as I am more than likely going to be credentialed media for these games. Um, but we're trying to try to set up something maybe the night before with some of our, folks from England that are coming over. Uh, James from uh, Gunner Blog uh, is, you know, going to be over as well, covering the game. Kaya Kainak will be over. And, you know, my hope is to do some sort of show tying in Gunners versus Cancer, tying in some some people that'll be fun to, you know, to meet and greet and, uh, and, and do an event in Baltimore the night before and do as we did last year in Orlando. So stay tuned if you're going to be going to either one of the games my hope is to have some sort of gathering. It's not going to be a Gooners podcast show because who wants to just see me talk uh, for a while? But my my way of getting around that is to try to bring in some people that are actually worth coming to see uh, to that situation. So, yeah, I, um, I will not be going to any uh, press conference that Jaka is attending. Let's just put it that way. I've been banned. So, uh, so yeah, there'll be something. And tickets, schmickets. Uh, there's no tickets. There's just 
buying, entering, and, and donating to the charity. That's your ticket. Starting at $299.99 at the exactly. low, low price. Yes. Speaking of tickets, by the way, oh, yeah. uh, right. we put a deadline on the on the Gooners versus Cancer 89 shirt. Um, we're gonna we're gonna give that away on the first of July, no matter how many tickets we've sold. We're we're close to the ten thousand dollar mark. Uh, we are at the point where we're close to four hundred entries for that shirt. We want to get to five hundred, but if we fall short of that, we're gonna give it away on Ju on July first. So you have ten days now to get to GoonersVCancer.com. Uh, check out the shirt. It's it's an incredible shirt. I'm not going to play the, the the minute and a half video right now because we're already running long. But it's a shirt signed by John Lukic, Lee Dixon, Alan Smith, and Michael Thomas with the famous call from the final seconds of Anfield '89. It, it's something you can only get through Gunners versus Cancer, and uh, and it's been it's been on auction for a long long time. We're ending it in the next ten days. So if you haven't already donated, this is the time to get in. Go to GoonersVCancer.com. You can see it on the scroll at the bottom of the screen. And there's oh, other yeah. spawn events coming up, too, if, if we want to talk about those. We'll, we'll talk about those at the end, though. Let's get to another user question. Many, many more here. User question. Jared, here's another cheeky one. I mean, because these, these are legend. In the, these are Emirates legends without having ever played for Arsenal. This should these be a statue over. outside the Emirates of all the players that we were linked <laughs> with nine times or more. Benzema's in there. Yeah, yeah, just a quick quick fire question. You know how to elaborate on this, but I had to I had to include this because I thought it was funny. Would you take either Draxler, Awar, or Mbilla for this transfer window? No. Nah, I'd, I'd take I like nobody. There's no unacceptable answer. I'll save the <laughs> ten bucks. He should have included no for. for, for yeah, <laughs> I mean, I mean, Arsenal should get more credit for some of the moves they don't make. I mean, it's easier to not make a move than it is to make a move. But some of the players that we haven't signed have turned out to be absolute shit. Yeah, people Thomas were upset Lamar. we didn't give fifty for Awar, and now they're begging someone to take him for like twenty. It's almost Arsenal-esque about how we, you know, we could have <laughs> sold someone, you know, we could have sold uh, uh, Wilshire and then we gave him away for nothing. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, Thomas Lamar for ninety-two million pounds. So yes, I was going to say that that came up a few days ago. That's the one where I'm like, holy shit! I, I assume it was real. I don't know. I don't I mean, believe that. But that like it had been like X amount of years since we we bid ninety two mil for Thomas Lamar and that's and that summer we there were actual serious rumors that we were going to be spending dropping one hundred and thirty million pounds for Mbappe. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, that, and so that Lamar was like the, Lamar. It was believable because like we were. We were set to do 130 for Mbappe, so 92 for Lamar, who's this up-and-coming superstar. Ugh. That, that would have killed us, man. You're never on the right side. Us. If you're paying 75-plus million, it virtually never works out in the Premier League. I mean, the top 10 highest transfers of all time, I think Van Dyke's in there, and he's the one that's probably worth it. I think the other nine you would look at and say, no, I wouldn't yeah, take no, any that's of true. those guys. Like, it's that's never worked out well. Well, other yeah, other than Mbappe, like like For, the, yeah, Mbappe would have been the second exception. Yeah, but I mean the money was so crazy. Uh, oh, I like the picture, the 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 one that you had up from from Daniel. Who uh, would be a penalty I, I actually I just lost it, so I apologize. But it was a penalty taker. That there's only that one moment? answer to that. Okay, so penalty taker for next season. There's only Saka. one answer to that, and that is Bukayo Saka. It's Jesus if he signs. Probably. If he's not here, I agree with Saka. I still like Lacazette. 
We should we should just bring on Bentner for those for those for those. Oh, I like that. Bentner and Kilsman. Uh, definitely good at that. So this one's directed at you, Mike, and I, I believe the answer is yes to this one. You're going to do a financial podcast. Is that correct, Mike? Yeah, there'll, there'll be some financial podcasts. I've been uh, I'm I'm waiting for the boys from the Arsenal Lounge, specifically Mo uh, wants to debate me on Cronky's expenditures. As the summer goes on, I'm guessing he's he's getting less and less willing to try to support the the fact that Cronky hasn't actually invested in the club. But either way, it's not so much a, a me against Mo situation, but it is uh, you know I I happen to find the finances of football and Arsenal in specific fascinating. I know a lot of people don't, or at least don't want to hear about it when we're you know when we're not excelling as on the pitch. And I get that, but uh, but yeah, we'll be doing some financial pods uh, over the summer because there isn't always a whole lot else to talk about. So awesome and excelling on the pitch segues brilliantly into our final question of the day. And this is a really interesting question because I know we are fairly apart when it comes to this. But I'm going to start it off with you, Jared. Uh, Mike, I would like you to get your opinion on this as well. But Q from Daniel Roberts once again: With all these signings, can we compete with Liverpool or City yet? If we make all the signings, which I'm assuming we're saying Jesus, Rafinha, Martinez, if all of those guys came in, I think we should finish third. I, I, I still don't think we're to the level of those guys. And it also takes time when you have that many new players coming in to sort of get some continuity and have them playing well together. The one caveat I would say is if, you know, horrendous injuries befall one team, that obviously changes things. But if everyone's relatively healthy, I think we should be above Spurs and above Chelsea next season, certainly above United. But those two, it's a pretty big gap to try and bridge. And I think it would be some really positive steps in in doing it, but we wouldn't be there yet. I'm also, I'm going to say no for next season. Um, The one, and and, and yes, injuries and something completely befalling one team uh, could could be the other. We're we're assuming that Arsenal make all this, moves and and kind of that that Liverpool and City are done after their huge striker signings. That's obviously not the case. Uh, they're going to be adding to their their squad as well, especially if Jesus leaves and as has been rumored uh Sterling leaves to go to Chelsea. Um you know, you're going to see some more movement from the so they're just going to keep reloading. The one team that could be poised for a pretty precipitous drop over the maybe not this season but over the next few seasons is Liverpool. Um, their cycle has been very reliant on a, a run of amazing decisions, amazing player pickups like Mo Salah and Sadio Mane and, and Mario Sane. And I mean, just everybody other than all, uh, Alex Oxlade Chamberlain has been the right player at the right time at the right price. Same with their sales. Um, they've been relatively healthy and they've got one of the co, you know, one of the two or three best coaches in the world. And, some of those things are going to come to an end in the next few seasons, and they're not going to just spend their way and issue, you know, half a million dollars worth or pounds worth of stock. They're not going to do what City and possibly Newcastle and, and Chelsea in the past have done. So they may be on the cyclical peak right now where they're going to start to head down a little bit. Um, but you're not going to see a whole lot of that this season. Um my big prediction for this season, not that anyone asked, is Darwin Nunez is going to score less goals in the Premier League than Diogo Jota. Um, I like that. that. That's my 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 unpopular opinion prediction, and I'm going to try to find a way of betting on that. But I don't know that that exact bet exists. But 
Uh, but the uh, if Luis Diaz didn't exist, I could see that if Jota was going to be playing I more. But I feel like he's going to be the odd man out a little bit, and his minutes are going to be limited. I keep but forgetting about. Player. I keep forgetting about Luis Diaz. You're right. Um, yeah, he's amazing. Well, I've already said it now, so it's out there. <laughs> um, so yeah, the uh, we're 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 competing for third next season, but we're competing we're we're competing for second the following season. I hate to say this, but unless. Just you have the perfect season, a la Leicester in 2016, and believe me, the spending by the top teams have gotten has gotten even more so, making that an almost impossibility. As long as Manchester City is allowed to do what they're doing, as long as they're not sanctioned and punished in a more serious way than their sham of a settlement with 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 FIFA or with UEFA back in 2014, as long as they're continued uh, allowable to do this. We're all competing for second. Sorry, and if there was ever a salary yeah, I, cap, KSE, the, right to the top. All they do. Well, is and I think that's what we've been betting on for the last twenty years was that financial <laughs> fair play would at least be a pseudo salary cap. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's not. But as long as long as the environment that exists right now exists, um, if Manchester City doesn't win the league every single year, it will surprise me. Mm-hmm. And so it'll what, take it'll take a, a, a team performance like we saw from Liverpool a couple seasons ago. Uh, to do it. So what you're saying is you're accepting mediocrity. Uh, yeah. Whatever mediocrity is. Yeah. <laughs> I'm clearly accepting. It. <laughs> yeah. <Mediocracy>. No. <laughs> so something interesting that you brought up when it regards to to Liverpool and in Manchester City is they they are at the point where their depth is so good and their quality overall squad is so good that they could afford to spend 100 mil on one single player. We're not there yet. We're still, we are still very much on the phase of we have to buy five players every season in order to get our entire squad up to par. And as far as like we always mention Leicester City as that one team that had zero injuries and everything went perfect. Honestly, I would act, actually like to add Liverpool to that list because the one season they won the league is when they had practically like zero injuries. Everything went like perfect to them. No suspension, no injuries. It was the following it. season that Van Dijk got hurt, right? And then, and, mm-hmm. and you know, and, and it's and you funny. you saw them and, take a dive. And, and to that point, right, and, and I know that, you know, Arsenal fans are going to be Arsenal fans or fans are going to be fans. And sometimes they're, they're going to look at some even positives and, and say, we only did it because. But let's let's be clear. Fuck it. It took their goalkeeper to score a header in the 90th minute for them to make Champions League. So, they, you know, injuries correct any team. So th- this whole idea that when you know sometimes Arsenal gets a little I'm gonna I'm gonna use the term hard done and like like you brought up earlier Spurs seem to to have the the rub of the green mic and we don't but injuries are a thing to people that say oh that's an, an excuse it's not it's factual it's it's part of the squad and it has a heavy influence on everything so all right that was my little rant of the day so gentlemen uh, we have gone hour and a half so we're gonna say our goodbyes uh, jared i'm gonna start with you mikey when it's time for you to say goodbye make sure you plug your following two podcasts i believe you already have your your guests lined up and they're two our solid podcasts our, our guests. podcast unfortunately mikey i will not be here well but yes but I, it's still our podcast oh, our so. podcast yes yes uh with with the the B Tech? No, I'm not gonna make that jump. No, no, no. no don't go <laughs> okay, Mikey, uh, Jared. Unless actually. you want me to expose what you what you learned when you were today <laughs> oh, years old. Oh no, no, no. I was today. I was yesterday as a year old. Oh, that's true. <laughs> Jared, always a pleasure, sir. I'm gonna tell uh, 
the listeners, the users, where they could find you. Yeah, great to see you guys as always. Hopefully I'll be back again on Wednesday with Mike. Uh, if you want to see anything from me, you can find it on my Twitter right down there below. It's at JCAFC. Love it. Beautiful. And, and Jared, I want to want to again give you uh, special props for being my my uh, my my riding partner on uh, on the social media for Gooners versus Cancer. Absolutely. Uh, there's going to be a lot of information coming out uh, real soon about what this summer is going to hold. And so, if you see some great, perfect social media posts on Instagram, you'll know that those came from from Jared. <laughs> and then my crappy ones on Twitter that get no traction. Um, because I'm not the gerbil apparently. Um, so yeah, speaking of Gunners versus cancer, so we've got the, the, the 89 shirts going to be drawn in 10 days, uh, on July 1st, the deadline to enter is June 30th. And I will just put a picture up of it, not the video, but I think we have a picture somewhere of the signatures from the four legends, um, and, and them writing the Brian Moore famous phrase so it's a it's a one-of-a-kind shirt you gotta gotta look at that we're also having the third annual fifa tournament for both xbox and ps4 or ps5 whatever playstation um and uh this has been a lot of fun man i mean people of all ages get involved people from all over the world get involved and it's just it's fun to watch it's enjoyable you meet new people you get into these chapters and you don't have to be good just have fun playing um, and there's uh, there's a version for each one. Subscribe, not subscribe, but follow Gooners V Cancer on Twitter because that's where you'll find all of the information about how to join. But registration is open now, and the tournament starts on the 26th of July and runs for a little over a week, ending the day before Arsenal kick off the season. Um, we'll be doing stuff during the live tour this summer. If you're in Baltimore, Orlando, come see us. Um, we will be doing our 24-hour podcast. We're going to get a leg up on the competition, and uh, no, we're going to we're going to do a 24-hour podcast to raise money for Gunners versus Cancer. We did the first one last year; it was outstanding. Um, we're uh, we're doing another one, and I've already got a great lineup of people who are going to be joining us. Some who joined us last year, some who didn't, and will be great to watch. And then the last thing is. Tentatively speaking, September 1st, London, England, United Kingdom, Europe, Earth. Uh, we are planning on having a live event for Gooners versus Cancer with some top, top talent there. Should be broadcast worldwide. Should be uh, a fun evening if you're in London. So Thursday evening, September 1st. We don't have all the details yet, but but if you're going to be around or, or can be around, we'd love to see you that night. Uh, the FA Cup of, of, of football phrases, Daniel, it's coming. It's in the works. We have a plan to make this the most special one yet, but it relies on some some schedules matching up. So, uh, so, so more news on that in a little bit. So a lot of fun stuff coming up and daily shows as often as we can through the summer. So uh, let's have some fun together. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Jared, for joining us. And... Um, and I guess this is the part where we go to the intro as an outro. Um, I hope that we have not been canceled, but it wouldn't surprise me. So uh, so in any case, see you tomorrow night when we have Andrew Allen from, from the Ars blog, uh, Ars blog blog, and, and I think he's occasionally on the Ars cast. I met Andrew a few weeks ago. Great guy. Looking forward to talking to him tomorrow night. And then Wednesday we have Ars blog himself. 
Thursday and Friday, we will be uh, talking to someone who hasn't been announced yet. So that's it. Should I talk for another 10 minutes or, or is that good? I don't, my name is Mike Hurst. It's been a pleasure being a host today. I, I don't often get to do this on this podcast. So it's a, it's, it's kind of fun. And, and Mike was surprisingly well behaved today. So Mike, I just want to say thank you for, well, not driving me crazy. That's always a plus. Well, you know, I, I heard before the podcast, you know, these two talking secretly about how I never let anyone talk for more than three seconds. So I tried to behave as much as I could. So anyway, without any further talking from either one of you, Thank you for joining us. Come on, you Gooners. Once upon a time, way back when there were only 9,000 Arsenal podcasts, five young men from various backgrounds, an Irish kid with a horrible haircut, a young Jewish nerd who hadn't discovered food yet, a child from Hemel Hempstead who didn't want to be English no more, a handsome advertising magnate with impeccable judgment, and a young Mexican AC Milan fan hatched a plan to take over the world of Arsenal podcasts. But then these boys became men. Jared. Mikey. Ewan. Magic. And Andy. And the rest, my friends, is history. And now, all these years later, you tune in every so often to hear their incredible takes their football knowledge, and their sensual advice. But now, it's gone too far. You, our fans, are at long last witness to season... Seven! 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 Welcome to the Gooners Pod.